Brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat Flip Flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. Prime time, humans. And I'm here with Prime. Yeah, that's a real person. And if you don't know who he is, you're doing yourself a disservice because I got a chance to meet this individual the past couple weekends at an event called the Warrior Angel 4x4x48, which is a spinoff of David Goggins' uh, challenge. And we got to go down to Texas, beat the crap out of ourselves. And by beat the crap out of ourselves, I mean, I got to watch Prime run around with a shirt off for uh, two and a half days straight. So welcome to the show, Prime. (laughs) Thanks for having me. We shared a tent too for two days. We did. And by shared a tent, you were all warm and cozy. I froze and moved to the truck. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, wait, she didn't sleep at all for those two days. She just wasn't there. Didn't exist. We barely, none of we barely slept. We were in the spirit world for sure. Oh, we were diving in. Dude, I'm so yeah. glad to have you on the show because I, I, when I met you, I, I remember looking at Nikki being like, that guy's cool. I don't know what's cool about him. I don't know who he is, but that guy's cool. And then she kept looking at, at me going, I think I know this dude from somewhere. <laughs> and sure enough, as worlds collide, it seems like you had some mutual friends. And then I started to learn a little bit about you and your incredible organizations and the background and history that you have. And I was just dying to have you on the show to talk about your life. Thank you so much. That's cool. No, Rule man, number it's... one, always be cool. <laughs> always be cool, That's man. That's what I tell always. my kids. How old are your kids? Uh, my daughter just turned four yesterday and my son is nine. Okay. So yeah, you're in that age of like, dude, just homie, be cool. Like yeah. chill. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it so yeah. much. Um, there's a lot of things that you do that were really interesting to me. And first, I kind of wanted to start off with you're in the military, you're in the United States Marine Corps, and uh, you're a Marine Raider. And I'm just recently learning about what a Marine Raider is. And I had no idea the depths of which the work was that you did until a friend of mine had you and did a project on you called the veteran project podcast. And he did a huge write up and Tim is such an incredible writer. So, you know, when I get to read, uh, your life through him, it hits in a different way. Why the military for you though? Did you come from a military family? Tim's awesome from the veterans project. So that's a good shout out for Tim, but, um, yeah, so I don't come from a military family, uh, Besides, my grandfather was in the Air Force for four years, um, but he barely talked about it, um, and um, he didn't go overseas or anything like that. But what the way that I got into the Marines and the military was, uh, whenever I was growing up, um, my uh, I ended up going to military boarding school, and so I went to a Marine Military Academy, which was like a maximum security prison for kids slash boarding school and uh got that full experience so uh which was actually one of the best experiences of my childhood and uh kind of set me up for on the trajectory or path that i've that i've been on ever since but before i went to that school i was uh i was living on my own at a young age like 14 15 years old and uh 
my grandparents came and found that I was living on my own and they, they offered to send me to that school. So I went, a lot of kids go, they're, they're sent to that military school or sent to boarding school um, against their will, basically. They just get sent because they get in trouble and then they get sent. But for me, I wanted to go because I wanted to have some type of security and, you know, have rules and all this stuff. So, um, you know, so anyway, that's, uh, that really changed my life in my childhood. And then, um, when I got out, I, I tried to go to college. I tried to, to do these things. And, uh, you know, I dropped out after one semester and barely went to class and just like, couldn't find my purpose in, going to class or being on a campus, college campus or whatnot. So um, I ended up coming back and uh, going into the Marine Corps. So you chose, you got the opportunity to go to this school. What is it like going to a maximum security prison as a teenager? Um, I think it's, uh, well, for me, the kind of the, the thing that brought me there too was like going and seeing this campus with that's like a highly it's like a functioning machine with all these kids that look like they're like a community you know they're all moving together whether it's in formation or they're all working out on the obstacle course or they're all going to the gym or they're going to class and so um i like that aspect of it and then the campus itself was beautiful um and was just uh so I was like, man, I'm going to get, and it costed a, a, a lot to send per year to send, send me there. So all that being said, I was like, wow, this is a, you know, a big offer that my grandparents are putting out. And, uh, and so um, I was just thankful for it at the time, but what it's like when you show up is kind of a little bit of, you know, fear of the unknown. And, and it's just like, you know, going to, uh, a deployment or going to anything that's like you know like explaining what happens when you go from being in California to going to Afghanistan or something um, it's kind of the same mental process in that you start off you get there and you don't know where anything is and you're just orienting yourself and like kind of figuring out you know what the environment is and what the operational environment is like you know at military school with the drill instructors and like, you know, what the boundaries are, what the rules are, where you live, where you go to eat, like all these different things so that, you know, you're kind of figuring these things out on the first day. And then um, that first day feels like it's like a couple days long, but then, you know, the next day you wake up and you have a little bit more of an understanding, you know, it's like your first wake up in a new environment. And then, you know, you just kind of slowly build and then, you know, next thing you know, it's a couple of weeks of being there and you're like, all right, this is my new, this is my new life, you know. How long were you there for? I was there for a year. So it gave yeah. you a nice solid base then to, to push off from an idea of the military. Yeah. yeah, strong foundation. And I still go back, like I've been a guest speaker there twice in the last three years. So uh, I get to go back and like speak to all the kids that are there now. And, uh, you know, um, kind of give back in a sense, but that just showed, that's just a sign of like how much of an impact that it made on me is that, um, whenever I'm in that area of Texas, I always go back and see them. Well, that's good. It's paying it forward, right? Showing other kids yeah. sometimes what they can't see at the time, which is that this mm -hmm. is actually beneficial and gives you structure and can help your life. Um, good on you for, for doing things like that. How did you go though from college to the Marines? What happens there? So um, I left college. I went back down to um, if if anyone listening uh, has been to South Padre Island or down in South Padre Island, that's where my my grandparents lived. And so I was down there. That's one of the every year. It's one of the top spring break spots. And oh, so dear. it's very it's a high level kind of party place and uh it's also on the border of mexico so there's a lot of like um you know criminal activity and these types of things and so uh i was working in spring break and i had you know uh, one of the 
at, at the busiest hotel and kind of gathering place for people in spring break. Spring break's so packed that you can't even drive your car down the street and whatever else. And so I was just right in the middle of it. And, uh, and I was kind of, uh, like I, I would, I didn't have a lot of purpose in my life at that time. And so I became deeply immersed in these kind of criminal networks and, and these things that were going on, um, you know, around spring break. And then, you know, when spring breaks over is still kind of doing those in that, in that environment and then those activities. And, uh, I got arrested many times. Um, and I was, I was on my way to, um, I think I've been arrested, um, anywhere from like probably seven times at that point. And, uh, I was just nonstop getting into trouble. And, uh, because I was just losing, I I was spinning my wheels and kind of going crazy because I didn't have a purpose in life. And so I had all this energy and I had all this, uh, you know, like I felt like I had to do something every day, but then I didn't have anywhere to any outlet or, or way to do that. So, um, I remember one day I talked to my grandfather and I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he was like, well, remember when you, when you went to the military school and, and you did so, you know, you did so good there. And that was like such a, uh, a win for you. What if, what if we went down to the recruiting office and talked to the Marine recruiters and see, and I was like, I just don't think that it's possible because I've, I just have so much like my, my criminal record at that point yeah. was like so thick. And, um, but luckily <laughs> it was during the peak of the, of the Iraq war. So this was uh... 2005, 2005. So I went in and basically, you know, I told the recruiters like a very small amount of whatever it was that I'd been involved in. And then they sent me to MEPS. So the military entrance processing whatever uh up in san antonio texas so it's like probably a five six hour drive from where i lived and then you know basically you get fingerprinted and you know they do the fbi background checks on you and then it comes back that i have all these arrests and like all this crazy you know criminal history and uh so they came back and um they my recruiters were like you know there's no way that we can get you in at this point so then uh, I went home and I was kind of like, you know, I kind of thought that that was the case, but I tried, you know, and then um, luckily one of the, one of the recruiters called me back like two weeks later and maybe they were, they were hurting on numbers or whatever. And they were just like, you know, and they were <laughs> like, Hey, Hey, if you're willing to work with us and basically write statements on everything that you did and we can we can work to, to waiver you in and get waivers on every single thing and then get you wavered in. And so <laughs> I started that process and basically it took me a year of paperwork and whatnot and going back up uh, to MEPS and coming back down um, to get in. And then the funny part is that right when I got, so then I got accepted, right? Finally yeah. got, got accepted in and uh and I go up to um, I go up to San Antonio to Maps to fly out to San Diego to boot camp the next day, and um, and so we're at the we're at the Maps Hotel, uh, which is right across the street from a club, and so everybody, all of us, we have like our last bit of cash on us on hand mm-hmm. that we're gonna have for boot camp. So, like all of the all of the guys that came from south from the from South Texas, we, we all went out to the club that's across the street. And, um, it was, uh, it was BYOB. Um, and it was a, a gentleman's club. So, and, and so it was like, looking back at it now, it's like that we should have seen the, that, that would be like the thing that anybody would go to because they have their last bit of money. They're going to boot camp, and this thing's right across the street. So they had a stack full of bouncers there, like 20 plus bouncers that just loved their favorite thing was to get these young military personnel that were going into the military and jump them. And so we didn't realize it, but basically we were, we were screwed from the time that we walked in there. But what happened is, uh, 
couple hours in, there was one of our buddies that, that uh, was got pulled out the back of the of the club by all of the bouncers, and he got jumped one on like twenty back there. And um, luckily, I I had gotten up and walked towards the back just in time to see them dragging this kid out the back. And so, without telling everyone else, I ran back and then ran out the back door and they're all jumping in like he he got his orbital smash um within like within like 20 seconds of being on the ground he got smashed and um so basically i was like trying to pull people off to get him up and then what i ended up having to do is like come in and like act like i was like jumping him and then i got him up and then i got him to run away and then when I turned around, then they were all facing me. And then I was like, hey, no trouble, no trouble. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, they're all coming at me. So, like, I remember I tried to swing on the first person and, like, barely missed, like, hit their ear or something like that. And then all of a sudden, I, I turned around and, like, I got tripped. And then all of a sudden, now I was in this thing for, which ended up going on for, like, over an hour or more. Oh, my because, God. Yeah. And because uh, what ha- what happened is my adrenaline came up and I turned into like a the you know <laughs> yeah uh, Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde and I was like you know spinning blood and throwing it at these people and like <laughs> any any time that I would come off the property too they would all they wouldn't follow me so if I needed a break or something I could just walk off and then I'd walk back on and then it would be like back. why were you going back (laughs) it was just probably ego adrenaline um you know everything so uh so anyway what so what ended up towards the end of that whole altercation um i got smashed with a bottle on the back of the head and uh and then all of a sudden it was just like my whole head was numb and then blood was just pouring down my face so I knew that I was like seri- a serious cut. Mm-hmm. And then once that happened, then everybody started to go inside and like that kind of stopped it. So then um, I uh, luckily all the guys that were with me were hiding behind the wall behind me so that they were all ready to walk back to the hotel in that moment. And uh, so anyway, I we think- walked back. <laughs> <laughs> hiding behind luckily all the guys I were with that would have my back were hiding behind the wall yeah all the marines soon to be marines right Um, (laughs) mm -hmm. it's not funny I'm so sorry no no it's all good though so I uh so it's I laugh about it because because I I can't stress like I had been in paperwork like begging and pleading to get into the Marine Corps and had all kinds of people write like justifications and state wit, like character statements for me and all this stuff. And then this happens. And then, and then this is like, this is like one in the morning and we're going to, to leave to fly out at like four or 5 AM. So then like I go back and there's like a paramedic guy at the, at the hotel. um, That's like, works at the hotel that's a part-time paramedic so he's like kind of he's a low-budget paramedic he's like just (laughs) putting band-aids and stuff over the top of my head and whatnot and um you know one of my shoes had gotten lost in the in the fight and all this stuff and so anyway I had to source new shoes I had to get a new outfit I had to do all these things within a couple hours. So I got all cleaned up as much as possible. And then when I went, I had this open head wound that would not stop bleeding. So it's just bleeding on the front and like everywhere. And I'm trying to like mask it and be there. And they're like, what now? Like, so then they sent me back home instead of going to boot camp. I had to go back home. (laughs) And, uh, and luckily they just, luckily, they appreciated that I had helped the other guy out. And so that was like the story that they had with the recruiters. So 
I didn't get shut down. I just had to wait a couple of weeks and then I got sent back and then I, and then I left, but it was kind of embarrassing too with my grandparents because they had had like a going away dinner for me. Oh no. <laughs> and then now I'm back the next day, you know, um, I'm here again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that was like my, the beginning, but going into the Marine Corps, I was super, uh, I was super, well, I feel like I had like an advantage be, at first because Marine Military Academy and the boarding school is ran. There's so many things that we do. Like we do boot camp, we do like all these different things. We march. So you, so I knew like, you know, how to, I knew how to do all these basic things in the Marine Corps without even trying. I just knew how to do it because of military school. Um, and then I knew how to operate being around drill instructors and all that kind of stuff. So, um, that was, uh, that was, uh, a blessing I feel like, but, um, you know, my first couple of years in the, in the military, I had a lot of, I got in a lot of trouble still. I was, and, uh, I was just resistant to the authorities and, uh, and a lot of it had to do with alcohol related incidents because, you know, I would, uh, if someone during the day was like yelling at me or, you know, like approached me a certain way, like, you know, that I needed to go do X, Y, or Z, I would, I would, you know, I would take it and then I'd be like, okay. And I'd go and do it or whatever. But then at night, if I was drinking, I would remember that person that did that. And then a lot of times if they were living on base or they were living in the barracks with me, then I would go find them. And then I would go like, you know, do stuff that would, you know, and a lot of them, cause I was a private, cause I got in so much trouble. I was a private with no rank for my first three years. <clears throat> cause I just, anytime I get ranked, I'd, I'd get stripped and then I'd be on, uh, what do you call it? Uh, restriction where, you know, you're, you're uh you're on restriction for 60 days with no pay for 60 days where you're you know you have to do check-ins every two hours when you're off work and um so i did that program my first couple years in the in the marines and uh and uh at a certain point my first deployment was over was uh a year long it was supposed to be six or seven months but ended up being extended and being a year uh, on the 31st Mew, which is like a ship deployment. Um, but, uh, we were part, we we're a, lo a little bit of it. We were in Okinawa, Japan. And then the rest of it, we spent like in South Korea training and, 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 uh, Australia and then Philippines and then back to Okinawa. So Okinawa, one time I was, uh, drinking, it was like really, hot at the time and humid you know like probably over 100 easily um and um i blacked out and drinking and then i had one of my senior guys that i hated that i always got into these altercations with on ship come up and uh i ended up getting in, like assaulting that person and um and then like doing it over and over and over again and then when I woke up the next morning, I was in all this trouble because it was a high ranking person and I was, had no rank. Um, and I was in all this trouble and everybody was looking at me like, how could you do this? And like, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't remember any of it at all. Like I had no memory of it at all. So I was pissed off because no one had, no one had like helped out to stop me. All my friends were just, friends were just watching. Um, so, uh, but that was my decision to stop drinking. And so after that, I went 10 years, 10 years in the military, no, no drinking. So wow. what happened, what happened when I stopped was, uh, I started, um, training like a madman and I would, I would train, I would run in Okinawa and I would, I would work out on ship for hours and hours and hours every day. And, uh, and that was like my sober sobriety plan. And, and I, I cut myself off from everyone else because, you know, everyone else is drinking and doing all this stuff. And I was like, just focus, laser focus. And, um, and so I ended up, um, 
you know, because I, I was I was good technically and uh, proficient at my job. And so I was a machine gunner and I was like, you know, whatever I was in the infantry my first couple of years. And, um, you know, so when I came back from that deployment, I ended up getting a leadership role. And then, you know, I ended up getting all my rank back and I got meritoriously promoted really fast um, because I was a leader and I was working hard and I was good at my job. And so I had a good, good leadership that started to look out for me that was like, you know, promoting me really fast. So I ended up catching up to everyone uh, within a year or so after I had been no, had no rank for three years, which was cool. And uh, kind of at the last minute, I was able to uh, get approved because my, when I re when I went to reenlist, my second deployment was in Iraq. And at the end of my Iraq deployment, I was at four years. So then my contract is ending and I went to reenlist and my reenlistment got denied because I'd been in so much trouble. And so I literally had to go and break my chain of command and go up to the sergeant major on the streets in the on the base in Iraq and be like, hey, sergeant major, remember me? Like you were there when I got in all this trouble, right? Look, mm-hmm. I've looked at my rank now and like I haven't been in any trouble. This is my job. This is what I've been up to. Like, you know, and I'm going to like after that, that was the important thing is that I was as soon as I got back from Iraq, I was going into Marine Raider training or going to special forces assessment selection. So I was like, I've been, I've been working hard to do this. This is my plan. Like, is there anything that you can do to get my reenlistment like approved? And obviously in the, in the military, you're not allowed to break your chain of command. So you're not allowed to just go up to Sergeant Major and do that. But I needed to do that in order to get it because there was no one in my chain of command that was willing to do that. So Anyway, that was a that was my first couple of years in the in the Marines. Sounds like a Marine. <laughs> it kind of tracks. There's a lot that tracks there. It sounds like to me. But I mean, that's important to be able to re- recognize that if you wanted something badly enough, you had to take it into your own hands and and make the call to go do that and advocate for yourself. I think there's you know they don't appreciate when you break rank, but if it it's between you having a career in the thing that you've worked so hard for and, and not, I mean, I would break rank for the same sort of thing. And I think anybody else would as well. Um, can you tell the listeners what is a, what's the difference between a Marine and a Marine Raider? Because this is something that I've recently learned about. And I know that the listeners are going to be curious to understand. Yeah. So Marines are a Marine is anyone that goes, <laughs> that signs up for the military goes into the goes into the military and into the marine corps and completes uh marine boot camp and then after marine boot camp then you go to your uh mos school which is military occupation specialty and then after that you're a full-blown marine in your job you know at your unit so you get assigned to a unit and then some people at that point are reservists so then they go home and then they're just they're working like you know a couple weeks a year um, until they get activated or however that works out. But, um, for Marine Raiders, uh, when I came in, in 2005, there was no Marine Raiders. So Marine Raiders was a Marine special operations unit that was started in world war II, And then after world war II, they disbanded the unit and they shut it down, the special operations unit. So we had world war II Marine Raiders. And then we got to a point during the Iraq war where the, the secretary of defense uh, called for a Marine special operations unit that would fall underneath uh, us SOCOM. So basically um, that the test pilot was in 2007 and then in 2008, 2009 is whenever the units formed. Um, So uh, at the end of 2009, I came back from uh, Iraq and then I went into uh, assessment and selection. So for Marine Raiders, similar to like how a Marine has to go through the Marine boot camp and then they go to their job school, uh, Marine Raider has to go through another process where they go through assessment and selection, similar to Army Special Forces, for 30 days, where they go through a series of uh, operational testing and psychological testing. And then at the end of that, then they're either uh, selected or non selected if they make it to the end of that month. Um, and then from there you go to your 
MOS school or your uh, operator course, which um, we, which in the Raiders, it's called ITC individual training course, which is anywhere from like 10 months to a year. And then now they added a language course on the back end of that. So um, that's similar to kind of how the Army Special Forces has uh, what they call the Q course or the qualification course. And within that 10 months, you know, you're going to all different types of courses within that 10 month course, like SEER school, survive, evade, resist, escape. Uh, you're doing uh, advanced amphibious work in the ocean. You're doing um, hell week, you know, which is for us, we call Raider spirit, um, where it's a, it's a, it's a physical, mental and psychological test that you do for about 10 days. And then uh, going into uh, a CQB close quarter battle uh, phase where you're where you're working on um, becoming as proficient as possible, shooting a, a rifle and a pistol, so dual shooter um, out in the open, and then in a closed in a uh, clo enclosed environment. And then the last phase is unconventional warfare, where you're working with like a, a counter force, like you're like you're getting dropped into a foreign country and you're training, advising and assisting them to work through different operations. Dude, you're like a manual, but better. The, the, th the reason I ask these things is because so many people uh, know that there are Marines and they understand that there are special operations like SEALs and Rangers um, and, and scout snipers and things like that. But there's all of these different, all of these different units in the United States that are just uh, completely foreign to me. When you... I know we don't have a lot of time, so I'm trying to break this down really, really well here. So when you did your deployments, when did you choose to leave the military? Um, so I had, when I, when I came into the military, obviously, like I got in a lot of trouble and, and, um, but my, my mindset was always to do four years at a time. And then I basically go just go all in for four years and just do as much as possible that I can do as far as the schools I can go to, like the training I can get, like the deployments, like whatever it is that I can do. And then at four years, then I decide whether I'm going to stay in or whatnot. So um, I was at, uh, so I was at 12 years and when on my, I was, in, in Afghanistan uh, on my first Marine Raider deployment. And uh, I got blown up in an insider attack with rocket propelled grenades and I got blasted unconscious. And then I, uh, you know, uh, recovered from that. And, you know, I don't have, I didn't have any physical, like, luckily, I, like miraculously, I didn't have any shrapnel or like, you know, I still have all my limbs and like, I'm able to walk around and all that stuff, but I have some damage inside my, like some traumatic brain injury. And then I have in my right ear, I have damage inside my right ear. Um, and so uh, it's hard or it was, um, I was having extreme pressure problems when I was around explosives after that, my threshold to explosives was very low. And then, um, I was having pressure problems like in the uh, like airplane and like different stuff. So there were things that were triggered that I was like, man, this is, this is really bothering me. Um, but I was, I had only brought it up to my team medic and I hadn't gone to medical or like hadn't, hadn't done anything like that. These are just things that were kind of popping off for me. And then uh, I went to uh, the advanced SEER course um, and uh you know, I was in a, uh, the, the final part where I'm like in captivity or whatever it is. And, uh, my back threw out and I've been having back problems where my back was throwing out, like, you know, where I couldn't walk, you know, for a few days or whatnot. And, um, my unit, I had gotten, uh, x-rays, which didn't really show much, but then because I was at this course and I, luckily I was at the very end. So I got to finish the course, but, um, I, the, I then had to get an MRI. So then uh. I got an MRI. Yeah. So then I got an MRI and that basically opened up the, the rabbit hole for me to get medically separated. So it was like my, my lower disc, my L5 S1, which is common for a lot of 
lot of people that carry packs and carry that weight and all that stuff is that my L5S1 was blown out completely um, on the nerves. And that's what was getting me to, uh, you know, throw my back out regularly. And then, but from there, they did a head to toe assessment and I went in and did a, a ear, nose, throat, vestibular appointment. And they saw that I had something going on on the right side. And then when they did the MRI on my ear, they could see that I had a hole in my inner ear. Um, and that was what's causing all the pressure stuff. And then they went and collected all the traumatic brain injury, like stuff and all that. So I ended up, um, uh, I had gone on one more deployment to the uh, Southeast Asia, to the Philippines and that. And, uh, and then when I got back from that, I was in training and that's when I started having like a lot of these issues. And then I got the MRIs and whatnot. And so I was getting ready to go on another deployment, but the medical officer uh, thankfully told me like, hey dude, you're done. Like you're completely done. You know, he's like, you could try to hold on like as much as you want because I was trying to like do things, you know, to skirt around it. But he's like, I'm ripping you off right now. Like you're done, you're completely done. So what you need to do after this meeting is you need to start planning your life for getting out of the military because you're not, you'll never do another deployment here and you know, you're not operational anymore. And so it's like, damn, so, uh, but I needed that. And, and what happens is, you know, like I work with a lot of professional athletes that have the same thing where it's like your identity is so wrapped up in Olympians and whatever else and in the military, like my identity, identity was so wrapped up into the fact that I was like an operations chief or that, you know, I was running ops on my team or that my, whatever my, whatever my position was on my team. And that like, you know, that you know the the day that that goes away that now you're on a medical thing literally everybody looks at you differently because mm-hmm. like and you get treated differently because you're not a team guy anymore you're on medical things so it's like why are you even here you know in like one day that that yeah. changes but it's almost a blessing because um that's a signal for you to like figure your shit out and to plan the next like phase of your life because this one isn't there's nothing there's nothing left for here for you you know what I mean it's not healthy uh, it's not gonna be any better for you it's gonna make you worse it's gonna make everything else that much more difficult for you yeah and that's 100 percent is that when you kind of transitioned when you did transition out because I know that you're the co-founder of deep end fitness and founder of co-founder of underwater torpedo league which is wild to me because when I started realizing what that was, it blew my mind. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because both of those things are freaking fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's when I got out, I was, um, or when I was getting out, I was kind of freaking out and thinking like, well, what's my pace plan going to be getting out? Like, what are my options? What's the primary alternate contingency and emergency plan that I'm going to have for like my work and, and all these different things. And, um, I got, I, I was fortunate to go to, uh, a course called, uh, next step, which is at Dartmouth business school, which someone in my unit had like gotten me into. Uh, and it was, it was the first course that they ran, but basically it's like a two week transition course for military and Olympians that go there and Olympians that are transitioning out of their sport and military that are getting out of the military or, you know, veterans that are getting out of the military. And um, so I went there and I was just like, you know, I was like the wheels were spinning the whole time. What am I going to do when I like, what am, what's, what am I going to do? And at the very end, we had these expert panels where it's like, you know, someone from sales, someone from tech, someone from healthcare, and then, you know, someone from the, and then entrepreneurs came out and the entrepreneurs were saying stuff like, um, that's, that was a real, like huge realization for me. And like a light bulbs are going off because entrepreneurs were like, you know, I could never be in a box. Like 
I can't fit inside of a box. And when, when you try to put me in a box, I, I freak out, you know, and that's like, I'm like, that's me. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, whenever I was a kid, they're saying whenever I was a kid, I had all these businesses and I always did all my own thing. And I'm like, dude, that, that was hundred percent me. I've always, you know, when I was growing up, I was a kid that mowed all the lawns. I sold candy since I was a young kid and like had these like pretended like I was all into music and I had all these music cases that were filled with candy and what, you know, all these different things. And, uh, but I always had like, I was I always had these different weird businesses that I was running, you know, that no one really coached me to do. It was just something that I was intuitively doing. Um, and, uh, and I did, I did great, uh, you know, performance wise, once I got into special operations and I was outside the box, but whenever I was inside the box, I, I almost got kicked out of the Marine Corps, you know, multiple times. And so, um, I was like, man, this is like making so much sense. So then, um, <laughs> Yeah. And my, uh, my wife's parents were consultants and they were telling me, you know, things like really think about where your passions and your experience intersects and like, and then that should give you the answers on like what, what you should do next. Right. And I was just thinking like, you know, cause I love training and I had been involved in all this different training. I used to have a mental focus trainer before I went into special operations that, you know, I would do all this crazy advanced training with sometimes for like 10 hours a day and, um, and, you know, getting in, doing all the training. And so when I was in the, when I was in the military, I went to water survival course, like after four years in, and then I ran a pool on base or helped run a pool. And then that kind of rocketed me into like all the pool work and pool training. And I did that before I went into Marine Raider training, which really like set me up for success. And then I was able to help others with their water confidence and help other people break through, you know, some of the things that we had to do to, to get through those courses. And then when I got out, I was on the first Marine Raider dive team. And so I just had these kind of unique experiences of, you know, training and seeing like these aha uh, moments of what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, from the experience of training people at the pool uh, up until when I got out, it was like thousands and thousands of Marines that I'd gotten to see, like gotten reps with to see what works, what doesn't work. And, and one of the things that we used to do at the pool, you know, back almost 15 years ago is play this game called underwater football. That was, you know, five on five underwater in the deep end, you know, where we would use a weight sometimes. And it's like, you got to get the weight to the other side and touch the wall. And everybody's trying to wrap you up, and take the weight from you, you know, and then sometimes we would use the torpedo, the pool torpedo. And so I, I noticed that it was like an aha moment where you could take someone that's scared of the water or has anxiety and you can get their, them to shift their focus onto the torpedo. And then you can get them to go down to the bottom of the pool. Then you can get them to do these things. So, um, and it's also like, that was my favorite thing to do was play that game. So, uh, you know, the underwater football was like, I, I always had these, these uh, like kind of obsessions with it. And I remember even 10 years ago, I used to go out on the weekends to some of the pools here in Southern California and just be there by myself, imagining this league take place because I had seen um, even when I was in Iraq they had a small pool at uh, Al-Assad Air Base where they had all these pictures on the wall of all these different water polo teams and I was thinking in my mind why why wouldn't they have like underwater football teams you know like and like why isn't that a thing yet and why hasn't this thing like taken off and I've been like started obsessing about it and then started to professionalize the sport when I was on that dive team, I would have our team be playing all the time and convinced our officer that we, we needed to be in the pool like every day playing this thing. And so um, really just like been professionalizing it and then now um, popularizing it um, since we started. So when we started uh, at the end of 2017, um, 
the the idea was and my partner don tran and i don got out at the same time and don worked at the pool and went through all the marine raider training like right next to me so we had a very unique unique experience (laughs) Uh, and then randomly you know we just got out at the same time so that was a, a, a blessing from god but we um so we put our heads together and we were like what was missing what, what would be the training methodology and what was missing from our experience? And we came up with the methodology of free, which is focus, mental focus. So how can you declutter your mind and focus on one thing at a time, which is really important when you go underwater too, because you're going to have survival systems and mechanisms that are going off like an alarm that can feel like panic telling you that you need to get to the surface and you need air. That's a, that's, that's a positive thing. Um, and if we didn't have that, then a lot of us would be face down in the water, you know, um, because we didn't have that urge to come up. Relaxation is R, so on-demand relaxation and just really managing your energy expenditure as much as possible and not burning extra energy that's not going to uh, pay off for you. Um, and then E, economy of motion. So any extra movement or bad movement in the pool and a lot of different areas of performance on land as well. Any extra movement or bad movement, it creates drag and it slows us down from our optimum performance. So how can we eliminate drag and unlock flow? So when we eliminate drag, we think of physical drag first and movement. And we can even look at someone like I work and coach different people um, outside the pool where we break down their pattern of life. And we look at all the movement that they have in their life. And then we see like, okay, what's the extra movement or bad movement in here that we can eliminate or trim that fat down so that you have more time and energy to spend on your purpose and your key relationships and your strategic goals, you know? Um, And then mental drag, you know, where are the traps that come into your mind and how can you be aware of them and then eliminate them as they come in and not resist them. Uh, And the last one is efficient breathing. So we do a lot of different breathing techniques to basically upregulate and then downregulate depending on the situation um, to unlock performance. So, but always our goal is to be in the most efficient breath possible uh, throughout our day and throughout our training events. So pretty interesting. Yeah, that's, Sorry, I was just, I'm just taking notes here. So I want you to know, sorry, that's really fascinating. I think I really like that. That's a, that analogy there and how you break that down is such a great way to look at life as well, not just water. And I think that's such a helpful thing for individuals. There's so much we do that is outside or an unnecessary um, drag on our bandwidth. And that's why so many times we're like, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. It's like, no, break down what you do every day. Are you really that busy or are you just making yourself think you're that busy? There's so much that we could do to free up our own mental wellness and, and, and things like this using, using an analogy, like free, like focus, relaxation and all of these, this is, this is legit shit there, prime. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. And the other kind of way that we decided to do the deep in fitness and underwater torpedo league is my partner and I were like, okay, well, we know that we could do a training business, but if we take, if I take someone to the gym, I mean, it might take weeks or months to have that breakthrough, but I could take someone to the pool and and have them underwater for 30 minutes and like change their life. I know, like I've seen that, you know, where they've had these like crazy transformations or epiphanies or breakthroughs from being doing the underwater work. And so that's, that's how we, you know, initially set up the first, you know, push go on, on the projects. Well, it sounds pretty damn incredible. I know we are short on time here, so I'm going to end us there, but I'm going to have you come back on because there's a lot of things I want to pry apart here, prime. Um, there really is. And it, it sounds like you've got some Number one, it's impressive to see that that you took the effort to pick up your own life and not just leave the military with no with no clue as to what to do. I think those transition networks are so incredibly important to acknowledge for people that are getting out of the military and the importance of them and finding and having those plans. Um, obviously, being a Marine Raider, it gave you and being a chief at that gave you the uh, skills and tools to be able to have your primary plans, your secondaries, and and all of those afterwards. So having that is. Um, 
is a great example of a leader, but then being able to transition out and not only help yourself when you got out, but help friends and others, and then popularize a sport that I could only see going into the Olympics, um, which would be an incredible thing. Um, because this is no longer just going to help individuals get over their fears, but it's also going to help so many people in their daily life. I really believe that analogy there is kind of hit really hard with me. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you got that time to share that with us. So thank you. Where do people find out how to be a part of the deep uh, and fitness or the underwater torpedo league? How does that all work? And then how do they find you? Yeah. So uh, deep in fitness, we have online programs for anyone that's not in a key city where we have a deep in fitness program. Um, or if you're in one of the areas with deep in fitness, so deepinfitness.com, And we also have a deep in fitness app. So you just search deep in fitness on both of the app stores and it would pop up for UTL. It's utlnation.com is the website. And then looking on Instagram um, is one of the primary ways too for deep in fitness, just like the deep end of a pool and then UTL underwater torpedo league. And so UTLs blowing up too on Instagram right now. We just had one of the videos from last week hit 20 million views. Congratulations. Then, yeah, our social media girl, Victoria Pham is, she's the best. So, um, but we're getting ready uh, to start season 11 for UTL, which will start uh, beginning or in two weeks from now. So, okay. um, and that'll run for the next six months. You got to cook it, man. You're doing it. Yeah. You're yeah. moving. Well, Prime, yeah. I, uh, I really appreciate your time and I really appreciate you being willing to open up and talk to us about, you know, the failures, the triumphs, the things that you've gone through, how you got to where you are now. And we really do, we do really do thank you for that. So you stick with me, human, everyone else will put everything in the bios, go follow mm -hmm. them, go give them a shot, go try it out. I don't see why not. Most of you are in America, go give it a shot. Let me know how it goes. So then I can go experience this for myself. Otherwise, we will see you all next week.